So days on market, that's really like what I look for, right? right? I feel like there's kind of like a pause and maybe we're on the other end of the pause now because people are getting used to the uh, interest rate hikes, right? And like, it's crazy when when the Fed, the Fed just like what, what we're recording in August, right? The Fed just a week ago, they just raised 0.75 points, I think, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it doesn't really, you know, equate to interest rate because I'm talking to my lender constantly, right? You know, actually interest rate went down. Yep. You know, <laughs> so, so it's just information, right? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Tabor Lote, and today our guest is J.R. Domontai, and today he's telling us about his experience living the American dream. He was born in the Philippines and moved to the United States when he was 17, went to college, got a real professional job as a CPA, decided he needed to build wealth with real estate. And today we go through his journey of scaling up to now owning 35 units himself with more on the way. He just got a property, an eight unit property under contract right before our call and had a few more on the way. So he's really busting. By the time this goes live, he might be well over 50 units. Who knows? We'll see. But he's doing big things. He's built a great portfolio for himself. And he's got a lot on the way. And like I said, he's living the American dream. And today we go through building his portfolio, his criteria for his deals, things that have helped him build along the way, mentalities, limiting beliefs, strategies, all uh, the teams getting in place, so much in there that have helped him and enabled him to execute and continue to build his portfolio. On this show, we believe that real estate is the best way for busy professionals to build passive cash flow and reach financial independence. We're here to teach you the lessons to help enable you to do that and build abundance in your own life, build financial security and help you reach your financial goals, whatever they may be. I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically multifamily and self-storage properties. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and would like to learn about investing with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call, and we'll look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, once again, our guest is J.R. Domontai. Today, we're learning about his experience living the American dream, building passive wealth, building passive cash flow as a new father and, and a young guy who still has so much on the way. Without any further ado, here we go. JR, thank you so much for joining us today. You mind telling our listeners a bit about yourself and your background and how you uh, became a real estate investor? Yeah, thank you, Taylor. Appreciate the opportunity, man. Hopefully I can add value to your listeners. I know you um, will. Well, but about me, I grew up in the Philippines, you know, came here in America in 2007. Uh, like I told you in my bio, I think I'm living there a little bit of the American dream, right? So um, 2007, I came here, like I said, 
I was 17 at the time. Um, and then from there, just went to college, you know, to become, became a CPA, took the normal route of having a W-2 job. Actually, in 2013, my boss at the time was telling me to invest in real estate, which I never listened to, right? I just continued to just took my CPA, you know, climb up the ladder of, uh, you know, your normal W-2 job. But in 2016, I just wanted to get out of my folks. So what did I do? I bought a two flat because I didn't want to pay for a mortgage, right? I wanted to pay. You know, I, I heard at the time it was house hacking, but, you know, I never really know how to be a landlord. So I actually joined Bigger Pockets the day I closed. Um, you know, loads bigger pocket, bigger pockets, and read and everything that's Brandon Turner, you know, put out there, and became a landlord. And when I get my first check, you know, it, the light bulb, you know, clicked, and I, I said, "What if I bought I bought a property that I'm not living in, and cash flow net positive? What could happen?" And fast forward to now, I have 35 units, you know, 100% owned, and. I'm under contract, like I told you, an eight unit and negotiate a six unit. So, and in addition, like I told you, I'm an agent and a newly dad, and I still have my full time job. So it, it, it's it's a blessing, you know, really busy, but but uh, I love what, love what I do. Awesome, man. And I really, you know, I appreciate you taking some time to speak with us right now. Like you said, you're a new dad, agent, realtor, uh, real estate investor. And uh, we're speaking on a, a Friday evening here, so I definitely appreciate you uh, taking this time with us. And we found out that uh, I'm a month to the, a month to the day older than you, which is kind of funny as it's such it's a small awesome. world. So I'd like to dig into how you scaled your portfolio and financed those acquisitions as you moved along, because that's a big question a lot of folks have: is great, I get that first duplex, I understand I can get a mortgage, live in half, you know, no problem, I can make that down payment. But scaling to 35 units, you got eight more on the way. And they're all yours. You're not bringing in investors. How are you doing that? Let's start with the the second acquisition after that duplex. So you know, it was a blur. I mean, <laughs> I said that because at the time probably wasn't sleeping that much. <laughs> so well, long story short, it was hustle, man. Right? Well, the hustle has to come, right? To scale, like you know, it, like just doing it your own, you know, without any partners, the hustle has to be there, obviously. Then network, right? Your lender, right? Your agent, because I was an agent at the time. You know, those are the people that, you know, that that really will help you scale, right? Just to be technical, I bought my next one. It was a foreclosure. That's how you can still get foreclosure. It was 88,000 too flat in, in the West suburbs of Chicago, Sister Royal, Illinois. And I have no idea how to, you know, fix anything. So, you know, you learn on the way. Uh, you make mistakes, right? Which is a good thing because... I, after that property, I really never kind of fix anything myself. You know, I always try to hire out, even though for like a small job, because, and this is what I tell my clients as well. Um, if, if you want to like, you know, you never really know a, a real estate investor that only knows, uh, only owns one, right? Mm -hmm. They always own a couple of things, right? And some people want to own a bunch of things. So I always tell them, look, you got to treat your investment as if you have a hundred units. Which means that would you mow your own lawn if you have 100 units? You probably <laughs> don't, right? So, so that's kind of like how I treat it. I treat it as a business, right? The EMIT mentality, right? So, and because of that, I, I was 
focusing on getting more deals, right? So the second deal was a foreclosure, like I said. The third deal, I put 25% debt and down in that is 88,000. So I took out some of my 401k. And then the next one, I took out some of my mom's 401k. Wow. <laughs> um, and then the next one, I had enough equity to pull out some cash, um, which is a five unit property. And from there, you know, it's a domino effect. It gets easier and easier. Capital doesn't, right? Like you run out, but you know, you buy a couple of good ones and you refi. And along the way, you create track record where you can, now you can access a hard money lender, right? And stuff like that. So that's kind of like, you know, like the gist of how I scaled everything up. Lender, a good lender, a good attorney, you know? And then from there, just do what you you say you will. Oh, by the way, contractors as well, right? You got to have good contractors. And to have good contractors is to try a lot of bad things, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... And once you find that one, you really, I don't really negotiate, right? Like, you know, they know me. Um, great story of mine, if you don't mind, is uh, I have a, a property, Thanksgiving Day, man. Run out of heat, the one my property. Oh, man. Oh, worst thing that, like, worst nightmare of every landlord, right? Even like aspiring landlord, that's like their nightmare, right? That's why they don't get into real estate. But this contractor, you know, his name is Keith. And I, was, I called him. I was in my uh, dinner, the table. I was like, hey, Keith, you know, one of my tenants doesn't, you know, they, just, they don't have heat. Like, and kid you not, he went there, took care of it for a couple hours and came back to his, his Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> so, you know, he's going to be, I, I give him like uh, gift cards every year. You know what I mean? So those are, like, you got to take care of him. That's my point, right? Because they're, they're kind of like the lifeblood, you know, like if you have something going on in your properties, I mean, you know, this on a bigger scale, right? They'll, they can make or break you. Absolutely. That's everything. You know, we're really owning businesses when we re- own real estate, especially if you want to scale up and, and build passive income. Now, it sounded like uh, if, if I'm reading between the lines correctly on that, the second property, the first duplex you bought that you didn't live in, did you as a foreclosure? put money down, got a loan, but it sounded like maybe you tried to swing the hammer on your own, do some of that work on your own before realizing, Hey, this doesn't work. I need to hire contractors. Is that right? Or did you start with contractors right away? No, I, I tried to swing the hammer, which, you know, I couldn't pick out which one at the time. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, after that, you know, it, for me, it was the most important thing for me and it's different for everybody, right? You know, I have a W2 job at the time. I still, right? And, you know, the stress part, right? The stress level is going higher because there's no tenant and then mortgage is going to come up. So it's either learn, you know, to do those things or just hire somebody and just bite the bullet. And, you know, I, I'm glad I just bit the bullet and just hire somebody because once they're, they, they're quick and dirty, done for a couple of days, and put a tenant there and now it's stabilized, right? So so that's what I did, right? And then, you know, part of the scaling too, if I can, may I just add is, uh, I found this, my fourth property, I found a seller that has multiple other properties, which kind of like came into fruition of having a seller finance, right? Which is awesome, right? They got bought 14 units from them. 
you know, and, you know, we can go get into that on how I, you know, get to the seller financing part if, 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 if we have to. Yeah, no, that'd be great. I mean, we don't hear folks talking about seller financing all that often these days, at least, but those days may come back. I'm not sure. But how did you negotiate that? So it, it was a, it was a long courtship, man. You know, this people are like, uh, they're older, right? They're in like in their 60s, late 60s. So I kid you not, when I bought the five units on them, which is my fourth deal, right? I started taking it out and dinner every day. Like literally taking it out wow. and dinner every day, right? Because I know they have other properties and I know they want to sell it because they, they, they're tight landlords, right? And, you know, after maybe like eight to 12 months, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. And they, they said, oh, I'm selling my six unit. Do you want it? And from there, right, then I said, yes, but I don't have a down payment, you know? So I, I only have this much money. So, and not, at that point, we built so much rapport that they know I will get it done. They see, they've seen how it turned around the building that I bought from them. So they have their trust. But it, it, was, it was a long road, man. You know, literally, it was nice. You know, I, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm very like, I'm a sponge too. This is probably going to be sound bad. The old people, right? Like, you know, the wiser people, I should say, right? <laughs> I was punched because they have experience that you would never hear from a podcast. You know, it was, the stories are awesome. Um, you know, my wife, not too much. She, she's mad at me that taking her to, to those stairs because those stairs <laughs> are for three hours sometimes. But, <laughs> well, it's fun for me. So, but that's how I did it. Um, they, you know, built rapport. Um, you know, like old. You know, like, you know, old folks, you know, they just want, sometimes they, they can see themselves through you sometimes, you know, and, you know, from there, they give you opportunity as long as you, you deliver. I think, I think you'll, you'll, you know, you'll get those uh, type of uh, opportunities. Now the process, I think for, for some folks, the prospect of investing that much time and also it's just the cost of taking people out to eat in a relationship that you're, you're not really sure is going to go anywhere or, you know, pay back, you know, monetarily, anything like that. It can seem daunting or, or, or pointless. I don't know if sure. that might be a, a little cynical of a take on it, but some, some folks might think that, but it sounds like you looked at it, at least in the short term, like, Hey, what can I learn here? What kind of relationship can I build? Not so much that, yeah, I want to buy the rest of their properties. And that's yeah. what I'm here for. Definitely. Definitely. And initially, yeah, right. Right. I like at the time I was probably two years, three years into it, half years in. So I just want to learn as much as I can from them. Real, at the very least, get some of their contacts of contractors, right? Mm. Yeah, at the very least. Um, you know, it, but we, you know, we just click. You know, they know what I, I, I look. You know, what I want to do, and we just match, right? I want to acquire more, and they want to just get rid of it. It's just a normal transition of a land, right? At some point, you and I are going to be in that, you know, in that kind of like. In the other end of it, right? So, so, you know, and I'm just in the right time, perfect for big time. And this is a key, right? Especially on smaller scale. If you go to find a property and the seller is the one that's showing the property, first of all, they have a bad realtor because the seller shouldn't be <laughs> showing their own property, right? That's an opportunity for you to ask, you know, do you have more, right? Like, yeah, always, I've always, even, even if it's an agent that's like, you know, like uh, selling the property. I always ask, does your seller have more funk? Bigger, smaller? Doesn't matter because that could be an opportunity to to acquire multiple, right? So, yeah. 
It doesn't hurt to ask, right? I mean, that that goes to say in, in a lot of uh, a lot of business. So we were talking uh, earlier about how much the market has changed, especially since you started investing. And hey, same for me, market shifted a lot in that time. And we often look back and we say, I should have bought everything I could possibly get my hands on at that point. But hey, we didn't do it. We are, you know, where we are today. But the market has changed. You're still finding deals. You just got a property. I think you said eight unit property under contract. You have a few more that you're looking at, which is awesome. How are you sourcing your deals today? So MLS, um, to be honest, you know, so my buy box is eight to 24 units, right? Um, those, I mean, I would look at six unit, but I, I don't prefer definitely more commercial type of, you know, like properties. So days on market, that's really like what I look for right now, right? I feel like there's kind of like a pause and maybe we're on the other end of the pause now because people are getting used to the uh, interest rate hikes, right? And like, it's crazy when, when the Fed, the Fed just like what, what we're recording in August, right? The Fed just a week ago, they just raised 0.75 points, I think, mm -hmm. you know, but it, it doesn't really, you know, equate to interest rate because I'm talking to my lender constantly, right? You know, actually interest rate went down, Yep. you know, <laughs> so, so it's just information, right? Like, so, and then recession was announced, right? I think a week ago. So there's, there's all of this kinds of uh, noise, I, I want to say, right? Noise around us. But at the same time, you can think that as your advantage, right? I told the other age, I'm like, hey, look, the interest rate just went out. Like, you know, the Fed just, like, we got to get this deal done now, right? And I asked for a credit because I told him I was going to buy down the interest rate, which is, I'm, I was good with the interest rate already. Like, you know what I mean? Again, you know, it's, it's not, it's their job to know, but they're, they don't know. So, and I do, right. Cause I did my homework. So that's kind of how I'm finding deals, right? Again, your network, I think is very important, right? I talk to my lender all the time because it has to make sense, especially with you, probably with your operators, right? Like I'm, I'm, 50 basis points is, is probably like thousands of dollars. Oh, big time. It's a lot of money. So. So, you know, also if, if you got to like be on top of that stuff. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That is one of the interesting things about that recent rate hike though, is they, the Fed only controls the, basically the overnight rate that the, the you know, banks would pay and all that stuff. But the market was so kind of maybe, I don't know, oversold or something, but mortgage rates actually dropped in, at least in the short term when that happened. Yeah. I think in the long term, we can still expect I'm sure, yes. rates to continue rising, but definitely in the short term. But, you know, they could have gotten back to you and said it, but that doesn't make sense. Rates they fell, interest rates fell. You know, they could have called me out. They could have called me out. But, you know, it, it's people are scared, right? That's that's just how it is, right? Like, you know, and when people pause, it's like it's a, a buffet, you know. Uh, you know, when people are fearless, you know, they got to be greedy. When people are greedy, they got to be fearless. I feel like we're in the other end now. And, you know, not that I'm just buying anything, right? I'm still definitely running the numbers, Right. And it's a very numbers game in real estate, you know, and I'm very familiar with the area. So, you know, it's just a thing, you know, if you're familiar with the area and you know, the numbers, I think it's a pretty e easy decision. Right. So, so that's kind of like how I find this decent market is very key. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird, like, you know, when people are at 30 days on market now seems like years, you know, <laughs> yes. and MLS, which it's crazy, right? Uh, before it wasn't like it's just that's just how it is now. People are getting scared when it's sitting on the market, 
But in reality, that's normal. It's just normal. Yeah. Like, you know, 40 days at work, 45 days of work, it, and it's normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some people doesn't even do a price reduction after three months. But people are just slicing, you know, I'm an agent as well. So people are just slicing after two weeks, which is crazy to me. But, you know, and there's no inventory. Again, the data, right? You just got to look at the data and what's going on. Nice. I think you're totally right. And, and it's funny how quickly we can really adjust to the feeling of a new normal when properties were flying off the shelves. It felt like this is the way it's going to be forever. And in reality, that wasn't normal. And now we're kind of going back to the the long-term trend of takes a little while to sell stuff. And, you know, that's okay. fine. That's, that's kind of the way things are supposed to work. So there's a lot of great concepts that you mentioned. I want to hone in on one in particular. You mentioned your buy box is between eight and 24 units. I'd like to dig into how you defined that. And you might have more criteria within that buy box that you didn't mention, but it's very important. I think a lot of investors don't realize that a guy like you, who's looking for you know, small to mid-sized apartment complexes, you probably have a really good idea of what you're looking for. So it saves you a lot of time and, and headache. So tell us about that. So, yeah, it's important, I think, to to any investors, because like, I think if you're an investor and you're very successful, you're always, you're going to be busy, right? So you, you don't want to be spending too much time looking at deals that really doesn't meet your criteria. So mm -hmm. we have a clear criteria, which, you know, buy a box, that what I call a hurt from somebody, you know, they call it buy box. Then you can phone into that and just, just scroll, scroll through all the leads that you're getting. And then once you see that, that eight to 24 units, for, you know, then you can just pounce on it and really look at it deep, deeply, right? So for me, it's like eight to 24 units. I'm looking for at least after, you know, all the expenses, conservative ones, you know, you got to put some, you know, like higher than whatever the, the agent is telling you. Uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. So uh, probably 250 to, to 300 per unit cash flow, you know, which, you know, in, in where I invest in Cicero, Illinois, you know, some Berwyn and the West suburbs of Chicago, you can still see that. And, and, and again, West suburbs, you know, that's kind of like the my buy box because I'm familiar at all my properties that are around the area, which means that most of my contractors are around the area. So it's kind of like it's scaling up, but on you know on on my level, right? On my on my level. So so it's you know when I when I plug in that property, it's kind of just easy plug to my system, right? So that's then if if something that's not kind of like if, let's say if there's something six unit, which is not in my buy box, as long as, you know, it's cash flowing more than like what I'm anticipating in, you know, then, then I might consider it, but I don't look at them like regularly. So. Mm, might consider an outlier. So you mentioned the, the size, how you underwrite those deals, locations, and you had the locations very honed in, which is all, all very important. Do you look at uh, anything related to age of the property or construction or the physical, you know, the structure itself just to help you narrow that down? Or are you a little more flexible on that? So, well, luckily most of the, you know, I, you, she said, I don't think we talked earlier, you don't invest in Chicago. Correct. Or, I mean, know somebody. Most of the stuff here is all old, right? A hundred years old. So <laughs> <That's it's, it. laughs> um, there's some 1960s properties here, but most of them are under just old brick property, right? Um, so that kind of like make it easier now. I do want to say, like, you know, mechanicals, you know, the town, you know, if, if, 
you know, that's something to be excited for. Like, uh, again, you got to be familiar with your market. Like in my, in the town I invest in, they want pretty much every, every electrical to be updated, right? They don't want to see cloth wiring. They don't want to see BX in there. Um, you know, they, that's something that, again, it could be a, a hindrance to mm -hmm. most people, especially if they're not familiar, but there's something that I see that are to advantage, right? Because if, if I can deal with a town that people deem to be difficult, then I can use that to my advantage to try and negotiate a little bit more so I can, you know, my numbers will look better. So. Hey, that's a, this is a blue ocean strategy is really okay. what I want to try to highlight here and, and knowing what you're looking for saves, saves you a lot of time. You know what you're looking for and you can really, uh, again, save yourself a lot of time and hassle. How about things like, um, I don't know, boilers and other, you mentioned mechanicals, other, you know, utilities, that kind of a thing that, um, you know, getting a little more into the details, right. And I imagine these properties, you, you might have boilers. Some of them might be really old and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's weird. Like most of my properties have really old boilers. Like some of them, I have a property that has a 30 year old boiler, <laughs> which, you know, they always say, I don't know, I believe it now, but they always say back in the day, they make it way better than mm -hmm. now. Which I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> and they work, you know what I mean? So it, you just account for it. I think that's what I would say. Like, if, you know, because most of the properties, like especially now on the seller mindset, they put a property on the market and they expect it to sell as, right? So, so and even like before the craziness, the, you know, a seller, you know, like on my buy box, most of the sellers are, are, are mom and pop, right? So more likely than not, they won't change mecha the mechanicals for you. So what you do is you just account that for, right? Okay, since I'm going to change this, right, then I, I account for that, you know, for, for my, my offer. Then I, I, you just have to cash reserve, right? So then that's more, that's, I think that's the most important key, right? Having the cash reserve. Uh, not only will, you know, save you to any disasters that you might have, it gives you peace of mind, right? Maybe when that boiler comes out, then, you know, and then, you know, like, and you have to replace it. You have, you have that cash reserve and you keep your tenants, which means that you can pay your mortgage, right? So, so, so like, again, you know, you just accounted for your numbers in like in, in my market, I don't see most of, most of the sellers are mom and pop and. And they, they don't really want to, they just want to get rid of it. That's the only reason that, you know, they, yeah, and I don't like my, my, my clients will say, oh, you know, like the rents are, I'm like, the, the, sure. I mean, like if, if rents are on market, they wouldn't sell. Right. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why would they sell if rents on market? So again, you know, like those are something you're, you're, you're there to fix problems, Right. And that's how we get paid because we fix those problems. Love it. I love that mentality. And if, yeah, if the rents aren't at market, well, that's the opportunity. Your opportunity exactly. is to bring it to market. I mean, that's the whole, that's what we look for is the opportunity. Right. So great. I love it right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. 
Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, JR, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Man, that's tough, right? Well, I think the, fir- the the very first one, I think that that kind of like gave me the idea, the, the two flat where I looked for free. You know, it wasn't the, like you know, on paper, it wasn't the best deal, right? I've sold that since then. And I made money, which is great. Um, I think it taught me a lesson, you know, on real estate. It taught me kind of like, you know, what my feed in real estate, kind of just like, it's it's kind of like the rocket ship, right? It just... It, it propelled me to, to, to buy more and to where I am now. So I think that's probably the best investment. Awesome. That's great. A lot of investors say the first one was the best, not necessarily the most profitable, but it got you started and that's what makes it the best one. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side, to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? My wife was going to kill me with this when I thought about this. I think my house where I live in now, even though I love where I am, man, you know, I think once you have the real estate mentality, I think, you know, it's a liability. It's a, a high liability too, you know. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed that most, all of my properties are cash flowing and, you know, built some equity because I bought it when I bought it. But I think that's, that's the worst investment, which is I can't even really complain about, to be honest with you, but... You know, you just, you, you gotta like buy it right, right? Nice, nice. Well, you know, it's, it's, my home is the same. It's not a good investment, but we <laughs> yeah. wanted a nice place to live. So yeah, exactly. So my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Well, wow. I mean, the most important thing is I think having, having the right mindset, right? Like when, when I started, uh, investing, you know, the abundance mentality, you know, all of like, um, the, the hustle mentality, the, you know, be positive and all that. So all this woo stuff that, you know, most people think, oh, but, but you gotta have the right mindset, you know, like, like we were talking about now that people have fear, right? I just think they just don't have the right mindset, right? You and I look at it so differently, a different lens than most people. Because we have the right minds, you know, when we, people think it's, it's time to kind of like put their hands on the head in the sand, we look at it as opportunity, but, you know, and, and that's kind of like what's the, the separate, right. And having that mindset. So I think that's the most important lesson. Awesome. I love it. That's a great one. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing all these lessons. Congratulations on your success so far. And I know you've got a lot more on the way. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that. With- Three rocks, like rocks, rook.com. And they can reach me at uh, my email, which I'll give it to you. So it can be in the show notes um, and also my number. So I appreciate the opportunity, man. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the the chance to connect with you. Uh, it's been a, been a great conversation for our listeners out there who enjoyed this show. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling every single time because I get to see 
your ratings. I get to see your reviews and I get to see that you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.